Hi there, and welcome along to this bonus edition of the Jersnet podcast. The cameras are on, and we are here for another edition of the free and independent podcast that is made by Rangers fans for Rangers fans. Uh, the cameras are on, so you can see our faces, and you can say, oh, I never thought he would sound like that. Um, as always, it's not just the podcast that we have for you. We have also got the football forum. We've got the archives. We've got the match previews and match reviews over at the website. So please do head over to www.jersnet.co.uk and make sure you don't miss out on that. If you're joining us live tonight, it's Wednesday evening. It's just gone nine o'clock. Thank you very, very much for giving up your evening to join us. If not, the show, as always, is available for download after the fact. Uh, and it's just a wee bonus. We're here to talk about the, the European night that we have tomorrow. Uh, the final tie in the Europa League group stage against Lech Poznan. Uh, the players headed out to Poland today, so we're just going to have a wee look ahead and see what we make of the game. Uh, joining me tonight, we have, as you can see, uh, only one guest, but he's a fine journalist and an even finer gentleman. So thank you very, very much for joining Stuart Weir. Stuart, how are you this evening? I'm doing well, yes. Thanks for that lovely introduction. I don't always get introductions like that, um, especially on social media. So it was uh, it's one I'll take for a change. I'm glad to hear it. What would you normally be doing on a Wednesday night instead of coming on this show? Probably watching, uh, sitting here watching maybe five or six Champions League matches uh, in the one goal with uh, a splutter over two screens, just so I can keep uh, keep tabs on everything. So this is this is a, a bit of a busman's holiday in a different way. I'm glad to hear that. I say that's how the other half live, because usually I'm sat on the sofa trying to watch two games on my phone. Having <laughs> screens, but maybe I'll get there one day. Um, look, it's just going to be a quick 30-minute show for us all this evening. Um, we just want to have a quick look ahead at, at tomorrow night's game, maybe touch on one or two other pieces that have come up uh, in the news since the show that we did on Sunday, and then we'll get back on Sunday night with another uh, hour-long show for you all. Um, so, Stuart, tomorrow the, the Europa League group stage campaign comes to a close. Thankfully, we know for, for Rangers it's, it's not the end of Europe this season, and we will be playing in the knockout stages after Christmas. Um all in all, regardless of the result tomorrow, I suppose you have to say a very, very successful campaign so far. Yeah, it has been. And it's something you would have to say that Rangers fans are becoming accustomed to without sounding too much like Walter Smith there. Um, you know, Rangers over the last couple of seasons have turned in some magnificent performances in European competition, um, especially through the group qualifying stages to, to reach the knockout stages. But also in the fact that they they, they start the, their campaign probably before most people actually go on holiday. So it's it's a long and convoluted uh, process to actually reach the, the group stage in itself and then get through the group stages. So they've got a really, um, I've said it before, I do wonder whether Rangers style and the way that Steven Gerrard approaches matches actually suits playing European ties more than it does domestically when it's there's a lot of kick and rush and also the fact that teams basically just dig trenches and, and dig in and sit in and don't give give you any space to operate in. But no, fantastic. The fact that Rangers are qualified with a game uh, to spare, something I don't think they've achieved previously uh, in any European competition is, is, a, is an achievement. So... If you like the trip to Lake Poznan and the, this this last game is a bit of a free a free hit. Do they do they take it that we've qualified and then say right okay let's try some French players let's um, get guys some game time, or do they say we've got an unbeaten record to maintain here or a, a, a pretty decent run this season let's let's go for it. I think it'll be interesting to see how 
Steven Gerrard sets his stall out for this one. I, I completely agree. Um, and I think the answer to that question maybe depends on how highly you would value coming first in the group as opposed to coming second in the group. Um, I, I think I'm right in saying that because of UEFA's head-to-head rule that they apply in, in, in this competition, as long as we match Benfica's result, not necessarily scoreline, uh, if they draw and we draw, if they lose and we lose, if, if we both win, we will top the group regardless of by how many yeah. goals. So, um, you know, that, that that does make things easier for the knockout stage. You know, if, if we top the group, I think we become seeded in the next round uh, and we face an unseeded side. How important do you think that is when we're assessing the chances next time? Yeah, listen, I'll be absolutely honest with you, Ross. It's, it's, we're now at a stage where it's knockout cup competition. I don't really think it matters very much who you actually meet at this stage once you get to the knockout stages. You know, whereas you might be seeded in the groups um, and and might get an, an easier draw, an easier tie, the thing is you're now meeting teams that have either fallen out of the Champions League or have qualified like you through the group stages. Some teams might not be seeded, but actually come through maybe slightly more difficult groups or, or, or face slightly more, you know, slightly better opposition. Um, it's it's six and two threes. To be honest, I don't think it matters very much whether it's uh, whether you're seeded or not. I think what matters is getting getting the job done in in the, the home leg, as always, and and take it from there. You know, whether that you play that first or whether you play it second. I think it's it's all about what you do um, in your home matches. We, we spoke about rotation briefly um, and, and whether we play some French players or not. And obviously, because of um, the UEFA squad registration rules, you often find that clubs have to pack out their squads with uh, youngsters because of homegrown rules and quotas and that kind of thing. So I think I'm right in saying that Jermaine Defoe is not part of our Europa League squad, but players like Jamie Bar-Jonas, like Leon King are. Would you expect to see... Fringe players coming in tomorrow, or do you expect, like you say, if there's a hundred percent right, there's a you know an unbeaten record at stake, we can come top in the group. Do you think Gerard will, will try and put out the strongest side possible? I, I I think personally, I think he would he would love to maintain the run that Rangers are on this season. I think, and if push came to shove, he would already have an eye on domestic competition and league matches. And I think the priority will be to to keep his squad as fresh as possible for the domestic matches over the next couple of weeks, rather than you know throwing everything into a European game. It doesn't matter. Rangers have qualified for the knockout stages. If they if they you know in Poland if 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 they win an absolute battle by three goals to two, as has been the norm with you know, Rangers in certain ties, fantastic. But you don't want to be winning 3-2 at a cost, if you see what I mean. I think that part of it, there has to be a bit of pragmatism and also maybe a bit of swallowing of pride. And, you know, this is maybe one that we, you know, we let go in Stephen Jenner's mind, say, you know, okay, if we get a result, great. If we don't, it's not the end of the world. We've qualified but maintaining, trying to maintain the, the kind of mindset to take into the next league match. Well, we already know, I think it came out in Gerard's press conference earlier, that, for example, there, there's a start for Bongani Zungu. So that suggests that you're right, that there will be some form of rotation. 
you think that the squad has enough depth this season to kind of make sure that we are rotating enough but still carry a very high calibre or a very high standard? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think whereas there were certain times, in a lot, well, in fact, I would say over several seasons where there has been a real dearth in certain positions, I think just now there is maybe not like for light replacements, but you you do have somebody in all the different positions, be it from be it from goalkeeper all the way forward, where you get two guys for each position. And and I think I think we'll we'll see that probably, you know, utilized. As you said there, um you know, with the, the in additions to the squad, you're now able to the likes of Steve Stephen Davis is now a guy he's probably qualifies as a maybe a fringe player as it stands just now, but you're able to utilize him either off the bench or giving him a starting role, depending on what you want to do in your next match. And I think that's it. That is now the, the, the sort of strength and depth that Rangers actually do have. Yeah, I, I think you're right. That I think that's what is a marked difference from previous seasons, is that strength and depth and, and two players in every position. But, but two players that you trust in every position, you know, take it right back to yeah. goalkeeper. You have no concerns putting McLaughlin in goal tomorrow. No. Right? And, and I think that's, uh, I mean... There are some positions where it's weaker than others. Arguably, the fullbacks, you know, there, there's clearly stronger options. Um, you know, and if Tav was missing, we'd, we'd feel the effects of that. But um, certainly in the middle of the park, we've been missing Ryan Jack for a wee while now. Um, so but those are probably exceptions to the rules. Exactly. You, know, you know what I mean? You're talking about, you're talking about Tavernier on one side and Barisic on the other, who are exceptional in the job that they do to, to have like-for-like -like replacements it's going to be very difficult simply because anybody with that amount of talent ain't going to be sitting his backside on the bench for very long. Exactly, exactly. Um, speaking of kind of competition for places, I think one of the more interesting parts of our season so far has been the competition up front. And obviously, we have I think we have four very, very strong striking options in Kamar Roof, who I think has been exceptional since he joined. Alfredo Morelos, who's you know the club's European record goal scorer, and we can debate whether that lives up to the, the achievements of McCoy's not because of the competition but uh, regardless he has banged in a number of European goals. You've got Defoe whose history and prestige speaks for itself and you've got Cedric Itzen who has I think excelled when he's come on and, and set up Defoe for a very good goal at the weekend there. Um, Gerard was always going to have a tough time fitting those four into some kind of system uh, but he seems in, in the last month the last six weeks he's been, he's been working with Kamar Roof and Morelos playing together how has that partnership worked for you? It's working as much as I think the return that you get from Morelos might be less in terms of goals, but it actually looks as if he's, his work rate has actually improved. And I think he's a, I think he's become more of a team player. He was, a, he was a team player previously because he gave Rangers goals. And not giving them the goals, he's actually doing more work. If you look at some of the, the goals that others have scored, it's been because Morelos has made, made runs and run into positions that have dragged defenders out and allowed others to fill that space and fill that void. In terms of Roof, you know, I know a number of Leeds fans, they raved about the guy. His biggest issue was actually his fitness levels and maintaining his fitness over a period of time. Touchwood, 
you know, in in in, in terms of what Rangers are doing, he, he's maintained that fitness level just now. Um, you know, again, you have to say that the Rangers scouting system did its homework in finding somebody who could fulfil that particular role and playing that particular position. Um, so that's another another tick um, as far as that goes for the the, the recruitment the Rangers have done. But uh, you know, you if you'd said last season that Steven Gerrard would get a tune out of Morelos playing almost second fiddle to someone, you would have been laughed at or expecting to see Morelos in the huff sitting in the stand after 50 minutes because it just wasn't his day. And that that's not the case. You know, he, he is putting a pile of work in for Rangers. And equally, he, he, he's a, accompanied really, really well, you would have to say, by Ruth. I mean, there's a guy who is, is pretty tireless when it comes to leading the line and also holding the ball up. I think, I think that has been a bit of a revelation. Even with Morelos playing up front himself in the last couple of seasons, too often the ball went in one direction and then suddenly came back and Rangers found themselves in the back foot or having to defend or having to win the ball back. Whereas just now, you're pretty much assured that if the ball goes forward, that Roof is either going to be able to find a runner coming off him or hold the ball up long enough for the support players to come through. So I think I think it's working pretty well. I completely agree. And I think we've seen... Morelos has always kind of shown that he isn't just an out-and-out goal scorer. He brings other people into play really, really nicely. He sort of has a, a vision or a sort of a footballing intelligence that doesn't get spoken about a lot. Is it fair to say, however, that with him scoring fewer goals, that the plan with Morelos has obviously always been buy him in cheap and try and sell him on for big money. With him scoring fewer goals, do you worry that the financial return we might get for him would be less? Um, yes and no, because you either buy you either buy players to sell them on or you buy players to make your team a success. And I think just now the latter applies that, that Rangers are getting more out of Morelos. In fact, Rangers have probably got more out of Morelos since he stopped scoring goals and there's been less speculation about where he's going to end up uh, rather than being the, the, the focal point of everything that was happening either on or off the pitch. Whether it was he, you know, off the pitch, was he being transferred? Were Rangers trying to sell him on the pitch? Everything went through Morelos. And if he didn't fire, nobody around him was firing. Whereas I think, again, in terms of the type of play and the style that that, that Ruth offers, he brings other people into play. Um, and, and of course, in saying all of that, we are forgetting that, that Rangers are playing probably a third striker in terms of Tavernier, who is, is, is like for you know many defences, the forgotten man, until such times as he pops, pops up at the back post or on the right-hand side in a, in a goal-scoring position. And then teams remember suddenly this guy takes a bit of watching. So all in all, I think Rangers have been pretty balanced uh, in, in terms of whoever the personnel that Steven Gerrard has tried to utilise. Yeah, and I think the surprising thing about that, I agree about having it. You know, it's, it's a remarkable return on, on goal scoring so far this season. And, and it's surprising to see then how few goals we've conceded because you would almost expect with the fullbacks playing as high as they are that it would leave us vulnerable, but it just doesn't seem to, to work like that. 
No, but if you want, I mean, I, I made reference to that on Twitter on Sunday, that of everything that Rangers did, be it the, the way they took their chances, uh, you know, the, the, the way they created the goals, the biggest thing is the, the press that Rangers put on teams. It is absolutely amazing. You know, you could be sitting with a stopwatch just now, and when Rangers lose possession, you, you are literally talking about seconds before they're winning possession back or putting teams under so much pressure that they're just coughing the ball back up again and Rangers are Rangers back and you know back on the ball, back in play, back pushing forward again. Um you know Ross County had had no answer whatsoever to that the other day. It's not as you know it's not as kamikaze as um say the Dutch were at the nineteen seventy four World Cup where literally you had six players running at a guy who was in possession and they just ambushed him. I mean, if you look it up on YouTube, that is that is something to behold. But the, the, the amount of pressure that Rangers put teams under is incredible. Therefore, your full-backs can press on because your two centre-backs have fewer people to actually watch. It's very, very brave of anybody just now playing against Rangers in Scotland to say, we'll go man for man up front, if they're full backs press on, we'll put two or two strikers directly on the two centre backs because Rangers would just carve you apart. So that means that ultimately you get two centre backs probably watching one striker, or even even more of a of a case. I would say you're actually talking about a defensive midfield player. I mean Stephen Davis on Sunday, you saw him drifting back into a, a sort of forward sweeper position, defensive midfield role. Becoming a bit of the, it's not a term I like to use, but almost like the quarterback that he was taking the possession and feeding it to either side. So, and I don't think I've seen that. I, I, I don't honestly think I've seen that from a Rangers team since Advocate was manager. When I remember one night at Dundee, Rangers were basically playing 2 4 4 um, because you'd Newman in one side and I think it was Raina played right back on the other side that, that night. And and the two centre backs, I think it was Moore and Amaruso, had nothing to do other than have a chat about who was going to pick up the, the one Dundee player because they were driving the, the opposition so far back. So, you know, I, I I think that is impressive. And that all comes down. That press doesn't happen by chance, doesn't happen by accident, doesn't happen because you get really fit players all running about like headless chickens. That comes through coaching and being coached within an inch of your life, that if certain people take up a certain position, you fill the gap there. And when teams are that well coached and that well disciplined and stick to that game plan, they become very difficult to beat and even more difficult to score against. Yeah, and the thing is, this is exactly what Michael Beale has written about from an academic perspective. It's it's this system. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's taken Rangers two years to, to get comfortable with it, but I think we can see the benefits of that now in an incredibly high rate of goal scoring and an incredibly low rate of, of conceding. Um, if we return to the game tomorrow night, the, the, the first tie, the home tie against Poznan, it wasn't a, a pretty affair. It was quite attritional. It wasn't overly you know, enjoyable to watch. And, and, and we get a goal in the second half from Morelos, a wonderful ball in from Barisic on the left wing. Um, there's been some reports that Poznan are, are rotating their squad because they're already out and, and they've got some injuries and, and we might not face a full-strength side. I don't know if we can really rely on that. And um, 
I'm sure, I'm sure Gerard will be taking that with a pinch of salt. What kind of a game are you expecting from them tomorrow? I, I would, I would, I would think that depending on the team that they put out, if they put out a team that's full of guys who are trying to make a name for themselves, then they will go for broke. If they're going to try to look after themselves and almost in takeover mode, this could be rather turgid. It 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 might it might well be that you're 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 turning over to watch the six o'clock news rather than watching this game because it's it's it, it would suit Rangers for this game to be pretty mundane and pretty bland. And if it was going to be a colour, it would be beige. You know what I mean? You're looking for a no-risk situation. I mean, no-risk in terms of injuries, no-risk in terms of um, overstretching yourself, and no-risk in terms of suspensions or bookings and the likes. And, and I think that will be, at the end of the game, if it finished nil-nil, I think that would be seen as being job done. Yeah, I agree. I don't think we're in for a 4-0 a tomorrow, but... We don't, we don't need it. You know, we need to get through the game without injuries. No. I really top the group um, and, and get back you know, to Anadice on, on Sunday. Not necessarily going to be an easy game. Uh, their form, I think, is a little bit up and down. And, and again, they seem to be struggling with, with injuries as well. But um, I think it'll just be one to, to, to get out the way and, and focus on the league until Christmas. It's a pragmatism, Ross. It's a, it's a level of pragmatism. Yeah. Again, it comes down to Stephen Gerrard's mindset. Do you want to keep Rangers winning? Yes, you do. But do you want to do it where it jeopardises what you're doing domestically? I think there's so much. Every game that Rangers play from now until the end of the season is going to be governed by what Rangers want to do domestically. And I, that even means domestic cup competitions. I think that Rangers are in a situation just now where they they are looking at the league and you know nobody's nobody's saying it, nobody's mentioning it, but they're in a, they're in a great position just now. And I don't think they'll do anything that will jeopardise that. No, and I think that's sensible. What is nice, though, and as you say, we've never been in this position before, but with a game to go, we can already start thinking ahead to the next round. Um, and, and whilst we won't know the draw until Monday, uh, currently the, there's more rounds of Champions League matches going on, so that the, the pots for that draw isn't finalised yet. But is there anyone that you would particularly want to see us face or anyone you'd particularly want to avoid? Uh, I, I have again. This is a, that's a question where it's six of one and half a dozen of the other, or you're almost wearing two hats. If you're wearing one hat, do you want to progress there? For there is X, Y, and Z that you would like to play. If it was a glamour tie, therefore a money spinning tie for Rangers, um, you would you would say these are the teams A, B, C. However. Because of the situation we find ourselves in, especially in Scotland, where it doesn't look as if we're going to have any be in attendance at football matches until 2026 at the earliest, you know, a, a, a glamour tie against the biggest and best team in, left in the Europa League isn't going to help Rangers at this particular time. It's going, to, in fact, it's going to be, it's going to be something of a distraction in some respects. Because you're going to have to give that game all the attention that you would normally give it without any of the fringe benefits, i.e., you know, um, the, the the money spinning aspect. Um, and I, and I, it's where we're at with, with football just now. Therefore, if you were going to ask me, I would take 
I would take the easiest, easiest tie. The one that you, the one that you would look at all the teams left from that draw, and you would hand pick for yourself and say, "This is the one that we want," and then go out and win it because you ultimately you'd like to progress in the tournament until such a point in time where we might start seeing crowds back in at football matches, and if that's the case, then that will become a, a money spinner for Rangers. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. The pots, like I say, are still to be finalised, but I, I would, I would absolutely, with without any hope of getting in to watch the game, I would pick the easiest side left in that competition. Uh, and we've beaten some good sides over the last two years, you know. And yeah. if, it was, uh, if the Benfica match, I said it on Sunday, if the Benfica matches were knockouts and it was on away goals, we'd be through against a side like Benfica. So I don't necessarily fear anyone, but let's have the easiest possible and, and keep progressing. I don't know. I don't know what the Hungarian or the French or the the the, the Belgian equivalent of Margate is, but I would take something or Stenhouse Muir. But I would take something like that at this stage. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't think Margate are in the Europa League. Um, look, very, way, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> very quickly before before we wrap up, um, not necessarily related to the Europa League, but I saw a wonderful stat tweeted today by Tom Miller, the Rangers TV stalwart who has pointed out that we've played 25 games this season and picked up only 22 yellow cards. Now, we can talk about discipline, we can talk about uh, players getting a level of professionalism, but surely this is just proof that the Masons are trying to stop the 10. <laughs> I couldn't possibly comment on that no, one. No. I mean, I, I, I think the, the, other, the other thing about, about discipline in football... And and it has been for several seasons, is how fickle referees and officials are in terms of what they let certain people away with and what they clamp down on. Mm-hmm. And there are some referees who will clap down almost immediately. I mean, I have I have seen games and we've all seen games that are pretty regulation, two-nothing victories, and you've got nine guys getting booked in it. And it's like, what happened? You know. I, I never saw anything that was life-threatening. How do you end up with nine players being booked? Yeah. So again, I think Rangers are behaving themselves. It's not so much the yellow cards because you, you, you accumulate yellow cards for it to have a, a disadvantage. It's the, the, the whole thing about red cards and steering clear of those because they can they can be ultra, ultra costly at any level of football. Yeah. And the fact that Rangers are keeping that kind of level of discipline again comes down to the mindset and the philosophy that if you play if you do what you're supposed to be doing you don't find yourself in a position where you need to be taking people down or committing dangerous tackles the, the, and also to go back to what I said the pressure that Rangers are applying means that nobody's diving in and making you know trying to make 40 60 tackles stick they're pressurising teams into making mistakes where ultimately they're, they're, they're chucking possession away just by making slack passes rather than getting clattered in the midfield. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point that it's not necessarily just about the coaching staff drumming professionalism into the players. It's the fact that the system doesn't lend itself to last-ditch tackles and doesn't lend itself to, to, to making those rash challenges. That's I think that's a really good point. Um, look, I think we have reached 29 minutes so it's probably only fair that we call it a day there. And uh, we've we got for another 23 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Just can't get enough. Um, yeah, we might as well. 
Um, look, Stuart, thank you very, very much for giving up your Wednesday evening to come and join us this evening. It's, uh, no, thanks for inviting me. Thank you. Um, and, and to everyone who's been listening, whether you're listening live or whether you've downloaded the show after the event, as always, thank you very, very much for joining us. Um, the show will be back on Sunday with a full one-hour bonanza. We'll be talking about the Canada's game. Uh, we'll be talking about Lech Poznan. We'll be looking ahead to the festive season as well. Um, so please do join us for that. That's Sunday, 9.30 on YouTube, or as always, you can download the show after the event on all of the usual places that you get your podcasts. Please do head over to the website at www.jersnet.co.uk and get involved in the forum if you haven't signed up already. You can find all of us uh, that contribute to the pod on there. Um, other than that, the only thing to say is thank you very, very much for joining us and enjoy the rest of your week.